Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Together, Grimace, we could own this town. Compilation albums. Let me turn this off because I see myself moving a little bit more. Ooh. All right. Three, two, and one. It's like looking into a funhouse mirror. <laughs> All right. We're already starting off. It is the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, for hanging out with us, discussing music with us. I am Uncle Greg, and of course, we have the professor, the rockter, Brett Fargo. This is my favorite thing to do, is to hang out and discuss music. It really is. I mean, I really, uh, my house flooded and with some monsoon rains here in Phoenix going on yeah. maybe three, four weeks ago. My TV, my living room is all like still in the middle of the floor. And I like it because I can walk around it, but I haven't plugged in my TV. All I do is listen to music. I've been listening to a lot of great stuff. This week, we're taking a look at our top five single artist compilation albums. And I've just been listening to these albums over and over going, wow, I remember when I first got that one. I remember when this happened, when I was listening to that song. I remember going to parties uh, at my high school and with my classmates and putting in that cassette and playing it over and over and it still sounds fresh and yeah. wonderful today. Yeah. So there's a lot of great, great albums like that. There really are. And I'm more of a full album guy. I'll admit that. But a well-done compilation is really a thing of beauty. It either serves as an ideal introduction to a band, which draws you in and makes you want to explore the rest of the band's catalog. Some are just cohesive statements that work as albums in their own right. And then others reward fans by gathering up stray non-album singles and B-sides and things like that. So I have a little of all of those on my list today. Came up with about 50. So, you know, wow. probably par for the course there. I did not come up with 50. I had a few criteria. It was stuff that was recorded during the O3L era. It was a compilation album that was released in the O3L era. And then, you know, like particularly on the 90s on, there began to be these gargantuan clearing houses stuffing as much music into one compilation as possible. So I kind of limited myself to things that maybe were on one or two vinyl records, but the multi-disc sets and box sets and stuff I did not include on my list this week. Look at that, a bunch of rules. For me, it was just uh, right mm. when the randomizer picked this topic of the compilation albums from a single artist. I kind of had an idea right away of which ones I was picking. Yep. Well, you don't like rules. You know, I, I do. See, that's why you are the harbiter of any sort of uh, values and morals on this podcast. You are the, the, the moral compass of this podcast. Sure. Because for me, rules are meant to be broken and you have like <laughs> guidelines. And that's always good because it keeps it on track. I have guidelines because that's the only way I can keep myself on track. I would be a mess otherwise. We're kind of oh. like the Felix and Oscar of the podcast world. Exactly. Exactly. I just like, <laughs> I just rip 
you know, stuff up and throw it in the air and where, where the wind takes it is where it lands. And you yeah. have special places. I admire that, that about you, though. I admire oh. about the way how you have your way of doing things to where it does uh, create magic. Mine creates chaos. But hey, it is what it chaos is, Chaos right? and magic. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Chaos and ma- ooh, ooh, it's chaos and ooh. magic, you ooh. know. We better write that one. All right. Well, then, hey, there you go. All right. Make sure you're in a market there so that we can uh, then work on that little song there. Garsh. How was your week, Gregory? It's pretty good. Got a new car. Nice. Um, didn't mean to, but my AC was going out, and with the 110-degree temperatures here as we reach fall in Phoenix, I had to go get it fixed, and then uh, there was just I, a great deal. They basically want to give me a, a brand-new car for about as much as I'm paying for my 2018 car, and I said, let's do it. So now... Bumper to bumper for seven years. If I am not a car guy, I could put in gasoline. I yeah. let people change my oil. I am with you on that. So that's about as far as I go. So it's best for me to have a good, reliable car. And that's for me, Honda Civic. That is what I drive as well. Yeah. yeah so now you have a nice, shiny 2022. I still have an 09 where the uh, bumper's falling halfway off. Yeah, but look at it this way. I'm paying a car payment and you are not. This is a good point. So there you go. And I will remain car paymentless as long as I possibly can. Another smart move. You see that? Moral compass. Brett Vargo. Practical. We Practical. have to add that to his Rockter title. Moral <laughs> compass. Brett Vargo. Oh, yeah. Well, some weeks my compass is broken. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited about this week because there's a lot of great music, a lot of uh, compilations, a lot of singles that all of us in the O3L community love. And we're going to be talking about those songs and those compilations today. I'm excited to see what you have picked because there's always a curveball that I discover and then I get to like obsess on all week. Not really. You think it's going to be more mainstream? I'm going to throw straight heat with maybe the occasional slider. I'm excited. Hey, slider pitchers are good. <laughs> Lefties yeah. too. Good old Southpaw. All right, you ready to get this party started? Yeah, let's get it started. All right, I'll go first this week. So kicking off my list of the top five single artist compilation is from a group that has toured with the likes of Run DMC, Public Image Limited, Rollins Band, Cypress Hill, A Tribe Called Quest, and even Madonna. So with a diverse resume like that, of course, it's the Beastie Boys. In 1999, they released Beastie Boys Anthology, The Sound of Science, and... uh, It was released just in time for the holiday shopping season. I'm sure they sold millions of copies, but MCA, Ad Rock, and Mike D, those punk rockers who found hip-hop, and we've been partying with them ever since. I guess I discovered them in 1986 with License to Ill, like a lot of other people did, and Fight for Your Right to Party. But Anthology, The Sound of Science, takes you back, and you really rediscover your love for the Beastie Boys. I mean, it's just party people joints, uh, you know, those records. I started listening to the old stuff with that heavy bass, and it's like, it takes you right back to 86, but God, some of it is just so cool. Definitely some of those songs, like, you know, Hit It Now or Shank Your Rump or, you know, some of the things that they say probably artists wouldn't say nowadays, but uh, Brass Monkey, Hey Ladies, uh, So What You Want, you really get to see their evolution on this compilation album, you know, all the way from Fight For Your Right to, you know, Intergalactic, all those songs are on there. What you, what you, what you want, want? I get money with the money that you want, want? Get, get your information, Papa. you think that you can 
It's a great compilation, and that's why it's... I guess I wanted to kick off my list with a bang. And this Beastie Boys could have moved up, but I wanted to start my list with a bang. So, bang, Beastie Boys number five with with their anthology, The Sound of Science. Bang! That's a heck of a bang. Oh, and this when you listen to this thing, it's just one song after another. You're like, oh, man, uh, oh, that's another good one. Oh, another good one. And again, I hadn't heard the early stuff for a long time, and then I've just been in my car with my boom and bass. Boom. You know, hey, ladies, or, you know, hold it now, hit it. Did you think, I mean, I remember seeing Fight for Your Right on MTV all those years ago, 86, 87. Did you think that the Beastie Boys at that time would have any sort of staying power? Now, you thought that it was like 1459, their 15 minutes were just about up. Yeah. And then, of course, I was, because Carrie King, you know, was in on that uh, video, and so was Slayer and everything. And so I was like, oh, cool. Um, but to see what they became and how important they were to just music, and, if, and especially even bringing hip hop to the white community was, you know, yeah. a big part of the Beastie Boys. I, I guess I didn't really think about it like what they would become, but it's really impressive what they did become and what they are. Uh, you wish that they would um, maybe put something new out, but of course, with MCA, he's gone. They kind of yeah. shut things down, but they've done some documentaries. But um, yeah, I mean, to, to think they came from those punk rock days to what they did, it's just amazing. And then look at the diverse people who they would, uh, you know, tour with Madonna to a tribe called Quest, Cypress Hill. That's a crazy crossover band there. For sure. You mentioned that they brought rap to the white kids, the suburbs, the masses, so to speak, that, you know, maybe didn't listen to rap before that. It does slightly perturb me a bit that when you hear any sort of rap music on alternative radio, it's always going to be the Beastie Boys. Just like anytime you hear reggae music on alternative radio, it's Bob Marley. Right. Right. So, I mean, they're kind of the exception of the rule, which is unfortunate because there should be more great rap artists that they opened up the door to cross over in that fashion. Well, Cypress Hill did a little crossover. A little bit. A little bit. And then um, there's probably some other, but like it's like rap rock, you know, kind of like the new metal that came out. Yeah, that stuff that you don't like. But uh, I get high. Who, who was the band that sang uh, Butterfly? Remember Butterfly? Uh, was, Butterfly. That, was that the Limp Biscuit guys? No, no, no. Um, Gosh, I can picture the guy. Again, names, they just, uh, Butterfly, you know. Oh, hold on. I have to look it up now because I'll go crazy. Crazy something? No. Crazy Town. Crazy Town. Crazy Town. Crazy Town. Butterfly. So that was kind of like a rap rock yeah. song, but they kind of, that was their like one hit wonders, I think. They might have had some other stuff, but that was like the one song that sounded just like that. And it was huge for a minute back in maybe like 2000, 1999, 98, somewhere around there. Mm. So there was a few rap kind of things that made it over but you're right i think beastie boys have hey got a rap song coming up it's you know going to be what you want hey if you're out there in the alternative radio world it's okay to play some of the early beastie boys stuff it's a lot of fun and it sounds great it's just i don't know maybe i have to play it for my son and see what he thinks but also mix in some public enemy some native tongue stuff tribe de la black sheep tribe called quest i always like nwa come on NWA, I listened to a lot. I told you I will go from Mama Cass to uh, Ice Cube. Respect. Yeah. Well. Respect, homie. Schizophrenia. One or the other. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but that's why I listen to my music. Well, my number five single artist compilation could have been the best of Matthew Wilder, but unfortunately, I couldn't find any evidence that such a thing exists. So instead, it is The Cures staring at the sea or standing on a beach, depending on which version you had. 
The compilation was released in May of 1986 as a relatively concise 13-track compendium of The Cure singles from 1978 to 1985, so you get all of the early classics here. Boys Don't Cry, A Forest, Charlotte Sometimes, Let's Go to Bed, In Between Days, Close to Me, etc., etc. The CD, which was the version of the comp that I had, added four more essential tracks in 1015 Saturday Night, Play for Today, Other Voices, and A Night Like This. I got it in the early 90s as you know, one of my many times that I uh, cheated the BMG Record Club. Sorry, BMG. I would order under a different name and you know there was always that feeling when you got that big box of your eight quote-unquote free CDs that you then had to sign your life away to buy others but whatever it wasn't my first Cure album so my first Cure album was Boys Don't Cry which is another great compilation but I got that one because I was immediately drawn more towards the spiky guitar based Cure rather than the dark synthy Cure at least at that time but this compilation was the album that greatly changed my perception of the band and made me into a hardcore fan. I knew the stadium-filling gloom that they were putting out during my high school years, and I knew the earliest stuff, so this was the bridge that linked the two eras. Of course, I already knew a lot of these songs from the radio, but it really put it into perspective, and chronologically so, just how astounding the band's progression was during this era. Every single track on this compilation is brilliant, and it led me to explore the rest of their catalog. And extra bonus points, I don't know if anybody out there has this one, but the cassette version has the 13-track album on side A, and then it has 12 B-sides on the other side. I never had the tape, but I have recreated it since then, and it's a really great listen. The B-sides actually rival the quality of the A-sides, so it speaks volumes for the greatness of The Cure during those years. So number five, The Cure's Staring at the Sea or Standing on a Beach or whatever you want to call it. Awesome is what I call it. I do call it awesome, too. That is a great, great one. May come up yeah. again. We'll have to see. Oh, let's see. Ooh, All right. Maybe. All right, well. Coming in at number four with me, with a bullet, is the first compilation album issued by Sting. Now, of course, featuring his hits from his albums, The Dream of, uh, the, Dream of the Blue Turtles, Nothing Like the Sun, The Soul Cages, and The Ten Sumner's Tales. Did I even say that right? The Ten Sumner's Summoners? Tales. The Ten, Ten Sumner's Tales. Tales. Wow. Say that quick three times. <laughs> but the compilation had two new Sting songs on there, too, When We Dance and This Cowboy Song. Fields of Gold, The Best of Sting, 1984 to 1994. I don't know if you haven't listened to Sting in a long time, but you really should listen to this one because it's got a lot of great songs. I was listening to Field of Gold all morning long now. Uh, but each song from Sting really tells a story. And it may be a different detailed story for each individual, but the connection to me is listening to Sting is you can really see how underneath it all, we're really kind of the same. And that's what's special to me about Sting. That's what's special to me about Fields of Gold, the best of Sting, 1984 to 1994. So it's really one of the best compilation albums from Sting. 
during his most appreciated period of his career. And uh, so I strongly suggest my number four pick of the single best compilation albums, Fields of Gold, the best of Sting, 84 to 94. I will heed your word on that. I really don't give Sting a lot of time, or at least on his solo stuff. You really should. Yeah. Fields of Gold. Listen to that song, just kick back when it's cool outside. Maybe when there's a breeze when it's kind of, you know, San Diego later tonight. That wind blows. The song is great. Yeah. The song is great. I really like that song. It's just a, a timeless melody. But as a whole, you know, I just haven't listened to a lot of solo Sting. I think you should change your, your attitude, uh, okay. our moral compass, <laughs> and you should listen to a little more Sting, and then next week get back to us and say, wow. Oh, my attitude. <laughs> I was wrong. I do have a bad attitude. I am not the moral compass. You are. You are. Whether you like it or not. Because I'm pure evil. Uh-huh. You're so evil. <laughs> All right. Oh. Good choice. Good choice that I will Thanks, have sir. to listen to. All right. So in an alternate world, my number four might have been Air Supply's greatest hits. But in this world, I actually have good taste. So instead, I'm going to choose another compilation that was highly influential on my musical taste over the past 30 years. The Go-Betweens 1978 to 1990. The album was released, as you might be able to guess from the title, in 1990. And in the U.S. at least, it was uh, released during their short stint on Capitol Records. In the early 90s, it was extremely tough to find any Gobies records in the wild. I've told the story before that my first album of theirs was 1986's Liberty Bell and the Black Diamond Express, which I bought on cassette from the cutout bin at Kmart after getting my first car in 1992. That was an album that I had on my want list after reading a five-star review in one of the record guides that I used to scour, and I was anxious to get my hands on anything else by the band after that. So when I spied a copy of this CD at the warehouse shortly after, again in the cutout bins, I snapped it up. Scanning the tracklist for the first time, I remember being a little bit put off that I only recognized one song, Spring Rain. Wait a second, there was only one song from this great album that I loved, Liberty Bell? While that's still a curious choice, I was hooked from the first time I played this compilation. I immediately recognized five songs that I kept coming back to. Cattle and Kane, Bachelor Kisses, Right Here, Bye Bye Pride, and Streets of Your Town. Now, at the time, I didn't grasp anything about the band's chronology. I couldn't really decipher between the two driving forces in the band, Grant McLennan or Robert Forster, or that all of the aforementioned songs were penned by Grant. I just knew that I loved the music, and above all else, that was what was most important. It's an oddly sequenced album, the first half roughly being chronological, before throwing it all out the window. Then you start getting a jumble of B-sides, radio sessions, early singles, and deep cuts in no particular order, culminating with a haunting new 1990 song that was actually a leftover from 1988's 16 Lover's Lane called You Won't Find It Again. Over the years, as any listener surely must know by now, I became a massive Go-Betweens fan, and even with every last drop of music that they ever put out at my disposal, and some music that they didn't actually put out, I still return to this comp for its inspired selection of obscurities and for a handy way to listen to some of my favorite songs of all time. So easy just to pretend 
So thank you, Cutout Bins. Thank you, Go-Betweens. That's my number four. And thank you, Brett, because Go-Betweens is one of those bands I never heard of until we started doing this podcast. Yeah. And now I, too, am a Go-Betweens fan. Good. Uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of great songs, and it's just fun, and it was just different. And something that completely went way over my head and passed me up in 1988. You never heard them on the radio here in Phoenix. Never, ever, yeah. ever. But they were huge in Australia. If not huge on the charts, I mean, they certainly made an impression, you know, as an inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Great, great band. And I know that you're in love with them. And uh, again, just one of those bands that I was introduced here on the Only Three Lads podcast, hanging out with the community here. That's the cool thing about all this is that there's always something to learn, something to find, something to rediscover. Because uh, we've all kind of grew up with this music. We've all had these same emotions. And again, it's kind of like that Sting thing. You know, you might have a different interpretation, but underneath it all, we all were feeling the same thing. It's so crazy. That's right. That's right. We all want to be set free by free, someone free. we love. Set us free. Yes, please. This week, we're taking a look at our top five single artist compilation albums. A lot of them, great ones out there. If you have your list of your top five, head over to our Facebook page, The Only Three Lads. Make sure and like us, subscribe, hit the notification bell. When you see something from one of us that we post, please share it so we can build this. I was just at a little party today for a two-year-old, and people were so how's the podcast going? It's going good. By the way, I was telling the story of our friend in Portugal who went on holiday in Spain and met somebody on the beach, and they were discussing our podcast and the music that we all love, which is so cool. And then we heard something about two pump chumps on your podcast. <laughs> Get away from our two-year-old birthday party. Oh, uh, no, we didn't even go there. But okay, good. where we did go was also uh, we landed on that list for the um, number five for that uh, the best alternative music podcast, one that you should listen to in 2021 on planet, on Spaceship Earth. Yeah, something like that. And it may sound like we're bragging. But it is just kind of cool that this just kind of started. We're just hanging out, talking music anyways. And uh, then we're like, hey, let's do this. And next thing you know, we're sitting in our own little cubby holes doing this podcast. And it's people around the world that we're connecting with. So that's sort of cool. I kind of enjoy that. Yep, it is. It may sound like we're bragging because we are. <laughs> there you go. It's the only three lads podcast. Stick around. We are coming up to our number three pick coming up after this. You're buckled up for a non-stop classic alternative thrill ride. Only three lads. We may be only three lads, but with your help, we are a worldwide community of music lovers. So don't be shy. Hit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash only three lads and say hi. Give us your top fives for many of our episode topics, and we love suggestions for future episodes. Listener and dear friend of the show, Ben Israel, did just that, giving us his top five albums of the O3L era. They are number five, Duran Duran, Rio. Number four, The Sugar Cubes, Here Today, Tomorrow, Next Week. Number three, James, Laid. Number two, The Clash, Combat Rock. And number one, Echo and the Bunnymen, Ocean Rain. Thanks, Ben. That's a fantastic list. So who's next? Let's make some noise out there. Now back to the show. One touch. Sansui. Sansui Intelligent Super Combo. One touch. From quartz lock stereo tuner. One touch to fully automatic turntable. One touch to auto reverse cassette deck. Just one touch. Just one touch. The Sansui Intelligence Super Compo. 
No other stereo component system gives you so much pleasure with so little effort. It is the Only Three Lads podcast. Now, don't forget, please share any post that you see us put out there. It helps build the community. And of course, we are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. And the easiest way to do it, just go to Google, put in Only Three Lads podcast. It'll take you to a link and bang, you hit it. You can also tell one of your smart speakers, whichever one you have, play the Only Three Lads podcast. Yeah, one thing I learned when I was Googling us is that there are so many different podcast platforms out there. Ones that I have never heard of, and I meant to write some of them down, because some of them have funny names. There's something about an owl, like Owlcast or something like that. I reckon they're probably not of uh, this country. No, owls are very popular. Owls are very popular. You know, and they're kind of cool. I know Native American people, that's like the sign of death. So you know how like at some hospitals, they used to put like a fake owl up on the roof to keep the pigeons away? Yeah. That scares them. Yeah. Stop doing that because it's a, it's a sign of death to some Native Americans. Oh, really? So yeah, you, you know, it's like poor people, they're in there in the hospital and they're, you know, having trouble, maybe some health issues. And then they look up and there's a ceramic owl out their window. Probably freaks them Yowzes. out. Yowzes. Hey, a few things from this week. So first of all, it was a great week for me. It was my birthday week, as, as that's right. uh, oh, yes, some that's of you right. know. But it was also Chrissy Hines' 70th birthday, mm-hmm. which thank you for posting that, Greg, because we got a lot of uh, hits on that Facebook post. And Chrissy is still fabulous and fierce and sounding as good as ever at 70 years of age. So if we can have like a wish, if she, if she would go on tour... Should she go with the band or just herself and do theaters? At this point, the pretenders, as long as you have Chrissy and Martin Chambers, the pretenders can really be whatever she wants it to be. Right. I mean, she might as well tour as the pretenders just because it's a bigger name draw. But I would love to see her in her theater. I love it. Well, there's a, you know, a musical instrument museum here in Phoenix. Yeah. And Concrete Blonde, I want I want to say what Napolitano is her last name. I can't think. What's Jeanette. Fr- Jeanette Napolitano. There was one time all by myself, I went to, she was, she did, it's like a room and I don't know, maybe seats 100, 200 people. And she was getting ready to make a DVD and she was kind of like storytelling and doing her songs, playing her songs on her guitar. It was the most awesome thing I've went to in a long, long time. It was too short. You know how like she was saying she was doing it, that was her first stop and she was going to build like an hour long DVD of all the songs and storytelling like that. And so... And she was just being honest. I don't even know where I'm going, but let's just go. And it was a fun ride to have. Uh, again, it was too short. She only went at one hour. If you're going to do a one-hour DVD, you should go two hours and sure. then you know start cutting the crap out. But it was yeah. super cool. Then you have uh, bonus footage for the director's cut. Exactly. I would love to see Chrissy Hine do that. That'd I would be go cool. See, I mean, even if it was in a theater, but just sit down, met Ray Davies, and we had sex, and we had a baby. You know, don't know what, where, where my mind, you know what I mean? Just like tell the stories of her going sure. from Ohio and then ending up in Great Britain to start her, you know, to really take off her musical career. And then all these great songs that she had, you know, Brass in Pocket and all these awesome songs. And yeah, she's such an inspiration. Yeah, I would love to hear those stories and then play those songs acoustically or, you know, plug it in. Who cares? However, I That'd have to cool. hear it. That'd be cool. Had a big musical surprise for me this week. You know I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. Yes. On Friday, just to hip our listeners to this one, there was an album called Spanish Model that was put out. And uh, what it is, is Elvis went back and remixed 
the original master tapes from 1978's This Year's Model, and then took the vocals off and had a uh, a whole bunch of modern Latin artists come in and interpret the songs and sing over them. Nice. I thought it was going to be a total train wreck. I have been loving the heck out of this album really? for the last couple of days. It sounds really modern. It sounds really cool. So, yeah, check that one out. Elvis Costello's Spanish Model. And then probably the greatest thing for me this week is that I read what Grimace is. Like the McDonald's-type Grimace? Yes, we're talking about the, the big purple blob from McDonald's. Okay. What is it? He is a giant taste bud. Oh, wow. See, look at that. How old were you when you found out Grimace was a taste bud i was today years old yeah, me too i never yeah. knew that i just purple guy it's, it's first of all really disgusting <laughs> that this big <laughs> giant taste purple bud. taste bud is walking around the other question i have is can he like attach anything to his body and taste it right because he always liked to steal milkshakes so can he just like dump the milkshake all over his body and and he's good i would say logically yes because if he's yeah, a I taste so bud too. he would have to have it all over his body I would think so too and if you're gonna be a big giant taste bud with a taste for mcdonald's why do you call yourself grimace that does not seem like very swift advertising well we got to find out when grimace was made which is probably the early 70s when a lot of drugs were going around and the suits didn't really realize what these people were doing and they were high as a kite enjoying mcdonald's food and like oh grimace we'll call him grimace that'd be funny like a purple <laughs> yep Yep. Oh. Guys in, uh, in Madison Avenue. Hey, Dollface, I got a great idea here. Yeah. We're going to take this big, giant taste bud, and we're going to make him purple and, like, like bigger than Ronald McDonald. And he's going to go around, like, stealing our, our crap. And we're going to call him, get this, Grimace. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Let's stamp it. Coom, coom. Done. Yeah. See? Here's there a check. Go. $40 million. You're a genius. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? I I would hope so. I hope yeah. the guy that came up with Grimace got a big fat raise. Oh, you know he just got fired. <laughs> Who knows? All right, back to our list. All right, sorry. Of the top five single Side artist line. compilation albums. No, that was wonderful. I never knew Grimace was a taste bud. Yeah, well, and we have taste in music. Learn something new every day. Exactly. All right. So at number three on my list is one with a mix of post punk and dance remixes. That really became this band's most impactful album. Now, New Order in 1987, they released their compilation, Substance. It is majestic. The drums, you know, you're hearing bass like never before on this album. And you know how much I love bass. It's some yes. of the most beautiful songs ever recorded. The album kicks off with Ceremony. It ends with True Faith. And then everything in the middle. Talk about meat in the middle. Everything gone green. Temptation, Blue Monday, Confusion, Thieves Like Us, The Perfect Kiss, Subculture, Shell Shock, State of the Nation, Bizarre Love Triangle. I mean, it's just, it doesn't get any bigger compilation album than this. So if you're not sold, uh, you might have Dame Bramage because you've got to uh, get this compilation album from New Order. I think this was probably, I, I probably heard New Order songs before Substance, but then in high school when I heard the this album, how could you not love this band and be obsessed with them? That's when I really got into New Order and 
uh, again, I grew up in the area where everyone was glam metal and hair, and, you know, we listened to New Order, but, you know, New Order kind of took that dance mix and added guitars, so it was something different, and uh, I really, really uh, love this album, and if you get a chance, of course, uh, Joy Division put out Substance a year later of those songs, um, but this is a great one, New Order Substance, listen to it, you're going to enjoy it again and again and again, it doesn't even sound aged to me, it's just a great, great album, and number three on my list this week. Great choice. Came very close for me. And on top of that, you have that second disc of remixes and B-sides, too. Yep. Yeah. It's all there. Good stuff. When you think of great singers inspired by the ghost of soul music's past, your mind instantly goes to one name. Any guesses? I'm not going to have an intelligent one right now. Well, I, of course, was thinking of Bruce Willis. Oh, I told you, not intelligent. I was close. Yet somehow I resisted the temptation to pick one of the count them four best of discs currently on the market by the Moonlighting Hunk. Instead, my number three single artist compilation comes from another familiar name on my list. Released on October 14th, 1983, after they shut down operations, it is the Jams Snap. So my big brother, Brian, who you may remember from his guest spot during episode 66, and I would spend hours at the record store perusing the racks. I know everybody finds that very hard to believe. But one of the CDs that we kept picking up time and time again was a CD by the jam called Compact Snap. We looked at the cover, these three guys, they just looked so cool, like 60s mods trapped in the 80s. And as the cover proclaimed, it contained a whopping 60 minutes of music Sign us up. So finally, Brian plunked down the cash to add the CD to his collection, much to our mutual delight. He let me borrow it, and it again was one of those albums that had a profound impact on me from the very first listen. Again, the great thing about chronologically sequenced compilations is that you get a clear sense of the history and progression of the artist, and that's what immediately struck me about this album. Starting with the brash punk of In the City, to the classicist mod pop of the all mod cons and sound effects era, to the horn-drenched soul-infused late period singles. The CD contained 21 slices of evidence for me at least, that the jam were one of the greatest bands in history, and Paul Weller one of the finest songwriters. Even better was the original two-record set of Snap, which fleshed out the track listing to 29 songs over two LPs. Not only do you get all the band's UK singles, but choice album cuts and B-sides like The Butterfly Collector and Tales from the Riverbank. At that time, for a band who respected the art of the non-album single like their 60s heroes, this album was an essential part of their canon, as it was the only place to get classics like All Around the World, When You're Young, Going Underground, Absolute Beginners, The Bitterest Pill, Beat Surrender, and a whole host of others on an album. This album set me on the path to jam, completism, and obsession, and still holds up as, yes, one of the greatest, greatest hits albums of all time, The Jam Snap, number three. The Jam. I remember seeing them the first time I've been watching MTV, early MTV. Yeah. And just knowing they, they were so different and so removed from my universe. Totally. You know, and it, but so cool on top of it. 
again, my sister was into Billy Squire, all that crap. Yeah. And then as a little kid watching on TV and it was uh, like, you know, the, the concerts and seeing Ian Dury. And then but the jam was one that stuck out to me early MTV too, just because it was fun, danceable. I just remember liking it. And, um, but it was so different. Yes. And that's what I missed. They looked out a step from the rest. Yeah. Definitely. Cooler. Way cooler. And then they kind of disappeared. Didn't disappear, but then they broke up, and you're like, why would that band break up? Yeah, they ran their course. And you know what? They broke up at the right time, and Paul Weller was able to pursue his other uh, passions in music. And the jam did kind of towards the end of their career. I mean, they got deeper into soul and jazz and you know all these other things that Paul Weller would begin to explore in full with the Style Council. But yeah, I mean, there was just stuff that fell outside of the confines of the power trio format of the jam. You think that's what did it? Like they broke up because they were tired of each other or like it was like a bad business deal. So they got like a new record deal with the new band or it was just they wanted to spread their wings. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just, you know, kind of restless creativity. And uh, again, I mean, they kind of ran their course and they had their time in the sun. You know, I mean, they went out at the perfect time. They had a, a giant uh, farewell tour of the UK and they had a very good five year run. So timing is everything. And it worked out yes. for them. Well, runner-up on my list of the single artist compilation albums, I remembered when it dropped. It was so important. It was so highly anticipated, but it wasn't Nirvana's official follow-up to Nevermind. Now, number two for me this week, Sub Pop and Geffen Records. They didn't want Nirvana to burn out, but they wanted to make those cast registers ring for the holiday season. So with no promotion, Nirvana's incesticide uh, still went platinum, just axinum. I remember when this came out, I think that a lot of Nirvana fans, uh, with Nevermind being so big, uh, they were yearning for more stuff. I think the record labels and the band was smart putting out this compilation album because it kind of lowered expectations, it gave people what they wanted, and it was different. It wasn't a bunch of pop songs. I mean, it was uh, full of B-sides and demos and outtakes. They did some covers, radio broadcast recordings. Of course, the big song, Sliver Off, they're an aneurysm. Probably the two most remembered tracks off the compilation. But if you get a chance, listen to it. It's, it's It takes you back to a place in 92 when we're all wearing flannel and we're all out and having a good time. And New Wave Polly, it's like another uh, version of Polly that stands out in my mind when I'm talking about this compilation. But gosh, I just remember everyone was yearning for more. And even though there was no promotion, everybody was talking about incesticide. So I would definitely say it's one that, I don't know, it made an imprint on me. And that's why I picked it number two this week. great little compilation album and it was so different at the time it is and i know you would never pick that one i didn't pick it but i can tell you that most of the time if i'm going to reach for a nirvana album i'll probably grab incesticide did i say are we saying that correctly incesticide incesticide yeah it's not insecticide insecticide Insecticide. yeah it's still killing bugs yes they're having inappropriate relationships with family members while killing bugs or maybe they're killing inappropriate relationships with family members because it's incesticide. Yes. See, there's the suicide in there. Yes. Again. Yes. yes. There could be maybe a therapist that can help us. 
Go yeah. to the Facebook page and tell us what the hell we're talking about, because obviously, we don't know. <laughs> Please help us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would take a miraculous therapist indeed. Oh, wouldn't that be fun, though, having a therapist come on here and pick us apart Ooh, because of the music that. that we pick? Yeah, that's a good idea. So Ooh. if anyone has like a, knows a therapist, like maybe someone who doesn't know us, who's not, who hasn't listened to the podcast yet afterwards, we're going to ruin them and they're going to start listening. But that way yeah. they don't know who we are and like we'll pick like songs and I don't know, there has to be some sort of topic they can tell us and pick what music that we feel. Ooh, that'd be fun. If anybody knows a good therapist out there who might be willing to do a podcast, let us know. They're going to say, Brent, thank God for you. You're the moral compass. Greg, what the hell's wrong with you? Get to therapy. (laughs) Good choice is number two. I think it's safe to say that even the big, giant, purple taste buds were wearing flannel at that time. Absolutely. Which must have been a very hot costume. There are times when a compilation album simply defies words, which is exactly what I thought when I found out that there's a Best of Color Me Bad CD. What's the one song? Yeah, exactly. They, I think they had two. But now that I've defied words, my number two is not a greatest hits compilation, but it is one of the greatest compilations ever. The Smiths' Louder Than Bombs from 1987 started life as an American counterpart to the British compilation The World Won't Listen, and there is a fair amount of overlap between those two albums. The World Won't Listen essentially functioned as a follow-up compilation to Half Full of Hollow, collecting singles and non-album tracks from 1985 to 1987. As such, it contains singles like Big Mouth Strikes Again, There Is a Light That Never Goes Out, and The Boy With a Thorn in His Side that had already appeared on The Queen Is Dead. In the US, however, where they had declined to release Hatful of Hollow until 1993, Sire Records had more material to work with. So they stretched the scope of their album Louder Than Bombs back to the band's nascent days of 1983 to collect songs that had not seen the light of day on an American album. So mixed among the absolutely incredible run of songs from that 1985 to 87 period, like Ask, Panic, Shoplifters of the World Unite, Half a Person, Unlovable, Asleep, you get the point. You also get hatful of hollow tracks like Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now, William It Was Really Nothing, The Single Mix of Hand and Glove, Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want, Girl Afraid, again, the list goes on. Even with such a short five-year career as the Smiths, there's a discernible difference between early Smiths and later Smiths to me, so you might think that this would all sound haphazard and slapdash, but it actually hangs together remarkably well. For all but the most ardent of American Smiths fans at the time, most of the album was new to them and it quickly became an essential purchase. Even today, ask Americans what their favorite Smiths album is and I guarantee you you're going to get a lot of them that say Louder Than Bombs. Personally, with the exception of The Queen Is Dead, I think I probably pull Louder Than Bombs out more than any of their other proper albums, and have even recommended it as a starting point when people ask me where to start with The Smiths. It's that good. So number two, a great compilation of Morrissey, Marr, Rourke, and Joyce, Louder Than Bombs by The Smiths. That is a great choice. Thank you. Great choice. That, That almost made my list. Almost. Yeah. So real quick here. 
I know that uh, a lot of people wear our T-shirts. Yes. And I think that everyone should have one. I do too. So we can fly our colors here in this community. So if you get a chance, please get over to our Facebook page. Um, Any new stuff that you've been thinking of, because you really are the graphic designer and moral compass of this podcast. It's quite an impressive resume. (laughs) You really have. I mean, if you look at all those shirts, you know that you've made them. There are some pretty cool ones. I appreciate that. Now, Dr. Don did just tell me that he ordered a uh, double XL, uh, a men's shirt, and he ended up getting a child's shirt that wouldn't even fit his bicep. So well, he's a buff guy. If anybody has any problems like that, please note that we create the shirts. We do not make them. We do not distribute them. So we do have a vendor for that. Let us know. I found an email address for their customer service department. So if you get a mishap like that or your biceps are particularly big, you know, we can point you in the right direction. Dr. Don, miss him. He hasn't been on in a while. We got to get Dr. Don back. We got to get him back. Especially with it. And then, but we're going to make him wear that t-shirt and maybe we'll get some uh, good video. Yeah. Let's get some pictures of him squeezing into that thing. (laughs) Rips at the seams. (laughs) Oh, that would be funny. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. Got therapy. And then we got got a lot of doctors here. And another pattern I'm finding is on your list, bands that are so impactful and together for only for five years. The jam. Uh, yeah, the kind Smiths. of. Yeah. Look at that. You're right. We could probably pick that apart in your brain. What's going on mm. there? I have commitment issues, obviously. <laughs> but we're glad that you're committed to listening to the Only Three Lads podcast and committed to being part of this community and committed to sticking around because yes. our number ones are coming up after this. And my wife knows that's not true. Hi, this is Army Welford from Love Tractor. You're listening to the Weekly Lads Podcast. Read all about it. Listen the world. Listen the world. The Psychedelic Furs have treated fans to a new single called Evergreen as they prepare to set out on tour. The track was recorded during the sessions for last year's fantastic comeback album, Made of Rain. The Waterboys celebrate the seven-piece lineup that formed for the 1989 Fisherman's Blues Tour and recorded 1990's Room to Roam album with a five-CD, one-DVD box set called, appropriately enough, The Magnificent Seven. It includes a remaster of Room to Roam, over 80 unreleased tracks, and a DVD with two complete shows. Radiohead packages up their turn-of-the-century masterpiece Kid A with its follow-up Amnesiac and a bonus disc of unreleased material for the three-CD or LP set Kid Amnesia out November 5th. Finally, R.E.M. celebrates the 25th anniversary of their New Adventures in Hi-Fi album with a deluxe edition available in various configurations out October 29th. Thank you for sticking around. It is the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music. 25 years between 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg. We have our moral compass, Rockter, professor of music, Brett Vargo. That was quick math, although I think if you actually count them all up, it's 26 years. It is, but uh, if you just go look at it. But a 25-year time span, we'll say. Yes. Right. Gotcha. You're right. See, the moral compass and the mathematician of the only thing that's far from it far from it i was just my my sister is like she's a puzzle freak and she's uh, a stem teacher she was a stem teacher for junior high kids and she loves nothing more than math which i think was 
oh god geometry and proofs we were talking about today i'm like okay i've got to go you people are Ooh. nuts yeah but see it for her it's a puzzle and i was never a big puzzle guy i've probably talked about this in the past i hate puzzles i hate it i hate it i hate it and that's what math is it's just a puzzle so if you have a kid who's like oh, i hate math and blue it's just a puzzle Gosh. So if they like puzzles, just t- you know, if they put it in their mind frame or framed it that way in their mind, they might like it more. I was usually the guy that would uh, start to do a puzzle and then throw a temper tantrum and then like throw the puzzle across the room and all the pieces would be all over the place. Me too. That's why I went more into yeah. writing. Hashtag me too. Hashtag me too. All right. This week, the top five single artist compilations. So far, our list, I thought we would have more crossovers. Yeah. Not a single Not one. Not a single blasted one yet. Yet. Until now. I was just going to say that. Until now. <laughs> because my top single artist compilation is really one of the best albums of the 80s. It's one of the greatest collections of singles. I remember buying the cassette. I remember... You did. I had the cassette. And I played Ooh. it over and over where it kind of like probably wore out and then it probably melted because being here in Phoenix. The most <laughs> thing I remember of The Cures standing on the beach was uh, I was a lifeguard here in Phoenix the first year, 1987. And my friend Wayne and I would always be driving because we were also swim team coaches, which we were like not equipped, mature enough to be swim team coaches. But we had a lot of fun. But we would uh, get in his Bronco and we'd be jamming this, this back and forth. And I know you're talking about staring at the sea. That version sucks, okay? If you get yeah. the chance, it's because they change it all around, get rid of killing an air. Get standing on the beach. And if you can get the cassette, it'll take you back to 1986, 87. At least it does for me. But it really holds a special place in my heart. And I'm sure everybody in the O3L community's hearts, when you hear this again, I mean, it still sounds great after 35 years. I mean, you don't need pills. You don't need therapy. All we need is the cure. And if you haven't heard standing on the beach, again, not staring at the sea, it just screws me up. I guess maybe because standing on the beach was what I'm used to. So I could anticipate what's coming next. And I love it. And when you get the other version, eh, it gets lost on me. Although it does have Killing an Arab, I will say. Oh, well, there was at one time, I know they weren't playing it live. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's and true. now, and recently I heard that they are playing it again live. Yep. It's just a song. It's not that they're really Killing an Arab. They are not. And they're not condoning that. Either that or Robert Smith has some very dark skeletons in the closet. Oh, you know he does. But he's been married to the same woman for some... Like, he's such, like, you know, the rock star from the 80s who's been married for, you know, 35 years, however long it's been. You know, he he definitely still holds on to the image. I would love to see him on a Sunday afternoon in his backyard drinking tea. Because I'm sure he's a different guy than maybe we would see on stage. But just the brilliance and the genius that has come out of him. And really, you hear it all in Standing on the Beach. My number one single artist compilation hands down it's got to be the cure well done i'm very envious of that cassette oh it's long gone long you know just like like i still remember having the star wars comic books when they first came out in 1976 you know number one number two and my brother and i using them as lightsabers 
Ooh, and okay. ruining them and ripping them into little <laughs> tiny pieces. And now if we had much? those, yeah, they're, now they're <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, That's like, there's like a, some, some guy, I heard his name, I don't see again, I, my brain, but there was something with Bitcoin. Early on, this guy had 10,000 Bitcoins that somebody gave him. And they were worth like 0. 0.03 cents each. So he had so many of them that he cashed them out or whatever, and, and, and he bought two pizzas. So basically $30. Wow. Hmm. So this is like 2010. 2010, 10,000 okay. Bitcoins. So he traded, he thought, ha ha ha, I'll trade these in and I'll get two pizzas for 30 bucks. I'm the man, woo. <laughs> Today, at least there was, when I read this, it said like, this is like a few days ago. So I don't know how it's fluctuated up or down. But on that day, it would have been, those 10,000 Bitcoins would have been worth $499 million in change. Oh. And he gave them all away for pizzas. I hope they were good pizzas. Oh, I hope those pizzas had lips <laughs> because let me tell you, <laughs> kiss his ass the whole way down his throat because I would want to kill myself knowing that. Man. And so at least with the Star Wars, uh, you know, comic books, I don't, I still would be like, gosh, I really wish I would have kept them in plastic and, you know, put them away and I could yeah. sell them and pay for my car right now. But nope, I'm a dumbass and we used them and we beat the crap out of each other with them. That's all right. You had fun doing it, though. Yeah, you and your brother went to, you know, the record store together. Me and my brother, we fist fight uh, over by the fence, taking out the garbage, because we had alleys. So we would yeah. always throw rocks at each other and stuff like that, too. Well, well we, we would do stuff like that, too, but our fights got pretty intense because they involved knives and baseball bats. Again, the moral authority, Red Fargo. Yeah, I, I had <laughs> issues once upon a time. I remember one time, um, you know, I'm old enough, and a lot of us in this community are, that we used to have toys made of metal, right? Oh, yeah. And so we had metal toys, ones that meant something. And I remember getting in a fight with my brother in the backyard, and it was a fire truck. And I remember throwing that. And I had a good arm. I played outfield, <laughs> and I was second baseman in baseball, Little League, Tigers, woof. And I remember throwing that, like grabbing the extending ladder on the back of a metal fire mm. truck and throwing it like an axe. And it just hitting his back and cutting him all the way down. Wow. I was so happy when that happened. Well but done. now I look back and it's like, wow, I probably had a little anger type issues yeah, bubbling well. back then. But we all have those stories. Well, it sounds like we both had issues. We're, we're perfectly suited for this. Music, yes. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's got a story. So, hey, if you got a story where you bludgeoned uh, one of your siblings... <laughs> Head over to our Facebook page, and maybe we'll share it next week. Oh, sounds like a splendid idea. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Yeah. We got a lot of comments about our uh, Casey Kasem clips last week. Well, a lot of people didn't even realize he was, you know, people in broadcasting are fairly angry because, you know, it's like the whole thing is, um, it's not that it happens overnight, especially in broadcasting. So a lot of times you've been stepped on, they rip your stuff off, uh, you're just really to the brink's edge and then you finally make it you know you're a 10 night or a 10 year overnight success i should say so by yeah. that time you're done you're ready you know if you're not going to do what you're supposed to do i'm going to rip your head off and that's what casey Kasem was doing he you know he's probably told him a thousand times oh i'm sure i don't want a, a dead dog <laughs> before my dedication <laughs> coming out of a up-tempo number <laughs> up -tempo number so oh. and then they did it again and he probably yeah. was having a bad day his wife was probably chewing him for something and he car broke down and his daughter is dating that new guy he can't stand and 
his son can roll a tight joint. And it, all that yep. came together at one time, and he was like, oh, yep. boom. He just tore the, the mask off of a villain, and it turned out to be Don Knotts. You know, exactly. things like that. It happens. Roinks, Raggy. All right. Didn't have those Scooby snacks to chill him out. <laughs> Apparently not. More Scooby snacks for Casey. All right. So there are probably some out there who were wondering just when the very best of David Hasselhoff would finally make one of my lists. Well, I'm not going to hassle the Hoff this Ugh. week. When this topic came up last week, my mind instantly went to one album. It was another American concoction, this time released in September 1979 by IRS Records as a means of introducing U.S. audiences to the wonders of Manchester punk band. You got it, Greg? Um, Sex Pistols? Buzzcocks! Buzzcocks. Ah, oh, that was my second one. Close. I was going to say. The album is Singles Going Steady. I just want to love like any other. What do I get? I only want to bend the state to the end. What do I get? What do I get? Oh, what do I get? And it is exactly as advertised, a perfectly sequenced collection of the United Artists singles from 1977 to 1979, presented with the eight A-sides on side A and their corresponding B-sides on side B. Buzzcocks were arguably the finest singles band to come out of the first wave of UK punk, most of which never found a home on an album proper, and I present this as Exhibit A that this is a true statement, good sir. The first side is utter perfection. These songs fly by in rapid-fire succession, each one a tiny masterpiece of simple, direct, funny, fast, loud, lovelorn, yearning pop music. Classic after classic leaps out of your speakers. Orgasm addict. What do I get? I don't mind. Love you more. Ever fallen in love. Promises. Everybody's happy nowadays. And harmony in my head. As good as that all is, the second side with the B-sides from those singles holds its own adding, amongst others, autonomy, noise and noise, lipstick, and one of the great bass grooves ever in Why Can't I Touch It? Whereas most compilations end up being mere footnotes in a band's catalog and clearly subordinate to the quote-unquote real albums, Singles Going Steady has taken on a life of its own. It remains as THE definitive Buzzcocks album to own, a rare compilation where every piece fits perfectly into place like it was always meant to be that way. It's customarily awarded five-star reviews and included in best albums of all time lists. And any pop punk band who has come since and denies its influence are dang, dirty, filthy liars. So from the get-go, I couldn't picture my number one being anything else but Buzzcocks singles going steady. Great pick. And another pattern between us two, as soon as we announced from the randomizer, I knew exactly my number one. Yeah. So did you. Funny how that happens sometimes. Well, there's a lot of great stuff, and thank God we're different. Like I said, uh, Buzzcocks, I was never really versed on them, and, but they are a great band. Definitely mm-hmm. a great band. I love them. If you haven't listened now, to Singles Going Steady in its entirety, oh man, it's such a rush. Again, we got homework. We get homework yes. from the professor. And you will love the bass line and Why Can't I Touch It, by the way. I just love the title itself. It sounds like me. It's like my whole <laughs> childhood. Growing up in uh, my whole adulthood, yeah. too. I just want to touch it. Yes, it's slightly more metaphorical, but, you know, it, it works I, on many I'm levels. more literal, so I can't yeah. help that. 
All right, let's go down our list of our top five single artist compilations. At number five for me this week, it was the Beastie Boys anthology, The Sound of Science. At number four, Sting, Field of Gold, the best of Sting, 84 to 94. Number three, New Order Substance. Number two, Nirvana, Incesticide. Number one for me, The Cure, Standing on the Beach. Okay, well, my number five is The Cure, Staring at the Sea, because I wasn't cool enough to have the tape. Number four, The Go-Betweens, 1978 to 90. Number three, The Jam Snap. Number two, The Smiths, Louder Than Bombs. And number one, Buzzcocks, Singles, Going Steady. Going Steady. Maybe that's what I'll do this afternoon. Put on headphones and just chill. It's a good way to spend an afternoon. It is. All right, let's hit the randomizer, see what we're going to be talking about next week. Okay. And stop. All right, next week we have on tap the top five albums of 1987. Mm. Gosh, what do you remember of 1987 off the top of your head right now? Go. Well, I was in seventh and eighth grades that year, Mm -hmm. going through those weird, wonderful, awkward years of adolescence. A lot of great music that I probably caught up with a lot of the alternative music later. You know, I, I had nothing against uh, George Michael, Michael Jackson. No. George Harrison had his comeback that year with Cloud Nine. It was a great year. See, for me, Dirty Dancing, for whatever. Dirty Dancing? Yeah. Yeah. I had the time of my yeah. life. Tiffany, Debbie Gibson. There was some- oh, yeah. Well, hey. then she became Deborah Gibson. I hope she goes Deborah. back to Debbie because everyone knows her as Debbie. I mean, I know you want to mature and move on from that, but. What was the name of the album? Foolish something, Foolish Love, Foolish... Out of the uh, Blue. Oh, well, then what was the Out song? Out of the Blue, Foolish, Foolish Beat was fo- the song. Foolish Beat. See, I knew yeah. you'd know. Yeah. I was I was a teenager not listening to that crap. Uh-huh. But Tiffany, <laughs> though. Tiffany, remember the, the mall tours? Yes. I told you I met Tiffany, right? No, I'm. if you haven't, I don't remember. Let's devolve into the story I want to hear. Yeah. How did you meet Tiffany? I, my former elementary school, so I was in probably high school by the time we met her, But my mom still worked at the elementary school as like a lunch lady or something. And she was friends with the janitor there. The janitor's brother was, I don't know if they were married or just together because I think they had a kid together. So the janitor's brother was Tiffany's significant other. I'm just trying to get this straight. Yes. So your mom knew she worked at a school and she knew somebody else who worked at the school. His brother, the janitor. So his brother was Tiffany's baby daddy. Yes. Okay. Got it. We somehow managed, my best friend Travis and I, uh, we managed to have Tiffany come to meet us at that elementary school. So we walked the halls of the elementary school chatting with Tiffany and uh, somewhere there, I don't know where the pictures are, but I know I still have a slip of like notebook paper with her autograph on it. If you could please put that on the Facebook page, if we can find it. Have to dig it out. Don't go too crazy. You know, if you know kind of what box it is, but that'd be kind of cool to see. Now, go. did it make you super cool? Because Tiffany no, came and walked the no. hallways with you. No, no not at all. I, I'm going to guess that this was probably 1989. Maybe 1988 was when she was big. It, it was, she was still fairly big, but I think she had gone into like doing the voice of Judy Jetson in the Jetsons movie rather than, you know, selling out malls. Wow. So. That's, that's a great story. Yeah, there you go. Wow, Tiffany. Out of all the artists that you would love to meet, Tiffany. Mm, yeah. Connection there. Look at that. Six degrees. Look, O3L community, we are just really two degrees away from Tiffany. Look at that. That's awesome. 
Wow, that that'd be a good tagline too. O three L two degrees from Tiffany. Tiffany. That might be it. All right. Is there anything else we have to say before we get out of here? Well, I want to part with just a quote that I gleamed when I was looking up the best of David Hasselhoff. An Amazon review. One reviewer writes, this album is beyond excellent. It's spectacular. Hot Shot City, whatever that is, is probably the greatest musical piece ever written. Please. And this is I'm going to read this verbatim for you sake by this album. And never stop listening to it. Another was more succinct. Chicks dig it. Well, if you dug this episode even 1% as much as Chicks dig the Hoff, we're in good shape. So until next week, we will say hello and wave goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.